Hey, um, this morning, uh, I, this is a, a big topic of this thing called under construction, that our lives, who knows that God has, he's begun something in us, but he's not finished the work in us. Who's thankful that God is actually working with us? Who's, who's thankful that God's actually working on us? And ultimately, as he works on us, he actually then begins to work through us, which is the plan of God. I love that scripture. Guys, just be here with me. I'm going all over the place with my scriptures. So um, they need a spirit of interpretation. Uh, but, you know, that wonderful scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about that, that you're not saved by works. That's great. Pastor Dan was talking about that. It's by grace. Uh, however, but we are his workmanship, saved for good works. So it's got a, he's got a work for us to do. But, but it's the works from grace. It's, there, is, there is a job for us to do. And once you're saved by grace, it's all work. <laughs> That's what many Christians never understand. But, but in the middle, and what God is doing us is we are his workmanship. That once we are saved by grace, and it's not by works, he goes, great, you, you've given me your life. You, you, our lives then get into the hands of God. There's no better hands to get into. I mean, you know, prior to that, we're in the hands of all sorts of people. And many of those are good hands, and one of the hands, sometimes not so good. And sometimes the hands of life destroy us and damage us. But I'm telling you, your life in the hands of God, you're in the best hands possible. And so we are, you are, together we are His workmanship, which is an awesome thing. So that's what this whole message, just in a few minutes, is going to share some thoughts around that. His workmanship, which, which is awesome. Uh, there's a great scripture in uh, Philippians 1.6 in the message version that says, There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. Uh, that's that, that bit, bit at the end there. Uh, and so he's going to continue it to it until that day. God, So get just, you know, just dig in, strap the seatbelt on, and get ready for the work of God to continue. Are you happy with that? And so, and there's another great scripture in 1 Peter that talks about us being a, there's a stone, that we are living stones. And you're, you're a living stone. Say that after me. I am a living stone. You're not a dead rock. And you're not just another brick in the wall. <laughs> you are a living stone. And not just are you a living stone. You're not just a little stone because he... he Picks us up off as charred pieces of stone on the on the field, and we're alone, burnt, messed up. And he picks us up out of that place, off the field of the world, and grabs us, and then polishes us off. And we become not just bright stones, but living stones. And watch this. He says, "We are living stones in the wall, in the house of God." So not only are we living stone, he places us. In something. So the work of God isn't just us alone, me and my therapist, me and my individual life. No, no, no. The work that God does, he, he pulls us out individually, but places us corporately, community, into the house of God. And so it's important. That's why we need to stay attached to the house of God, because it's in that place of community. We can't become his workmanship alone. We become part of his work as we stay in the community of God. And there's such a pull on people to isolate. Because the, the biggest tool that the devil uses is offense. And his biggest aim is isolation. 
that's what he does. And so we need to be not just aware of God's plans, but not ignorant of the devil's schemes. And so we need to work with both of those pieces of wisdom and stay connected. And uh, Bernie and I have been part of, as Pastor Dan said, C3 for next Easter or thereabouts will be 40 years, karma. That's crazy. 40 years. Bernie doesn't look old enough. <laughs> I know I do, but anyway. <laughs> but it's, it's been a great journey. Walked in as a young married couple and just, just did this journey. Uh, and God has that sense and God future for you as well, which is awesome. Okay, so I'm going to give you the next few minutes. I'm going to give you five doors that God uses to take us into our future, to keep the construction going. So, because currently we're here. I mean, if I, if I stand on this fold back grate, I'm here. But, but God has a future for us that's over there. And sometimes it isn't just an issue of more time. Because sometimes time is not what, uh, the only thing that God uses. God uses doors. God wants us walking through into a new place, and he wants us to walk through a door into that place. But often what I've discovered in God is the doors that God puts in front of us aren't always obvious or we don't often often see them or interpret them as a god door we often see them as a problem or a challenge or like i'm not walking through that but i'm telling you every door that god puts in front of you if it's a god door will be a growth door will be a construction door will be something that causes us to get bigger and large into a new place so who thinks that's a good thing right so let's hear about five doors and hopefully my aim for you this morning is that now when you're walking out your christian life when one of those doors appears in front of you you go wait a minute i recognize this door pastor mark talked about it so okay door number one the 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 most obvious door the door of jesus if i was to talk about no other door I could stop at door number one because the most important, the first door, the most important door is the door of Jesus. You walk through the door of Jesus, everything else will be fine. Maybe you're here this morning as a visitor and you've never walked through that door. You've never known a personal relationship with Jesus. Let me encourage you that as you're listening to me this morning and maybe worshiping with us this morning, that maybe something in your heart is beginning to shift. And, and for us, and that for me, that happened 42 years ago in a meeting, Cindy Town Hall. My sister invited me to this meeting. And I'd, I'd, I'd been raised in a, in a church environment, but didn't know Jesus personally. And then halfway through this meeting, my sister turned to me and said, what do you think? And uh, I said, I believe it. It was, like, it was like this door was placed in front of me. And an opportunity to walk through a thing where I went from unbelief to belief. And suddenly, peace, like I'd never known before, came into my heart. I walked through this door of Jesus. Because on the other side of the door of Jesus is a life that he is preparing for you, that is more magnificent, that is good now and for eternity. And there's challenges in it. It's not free of challenge. But in the challenge is the growth and the blessing and the discovery of the 2.0 version of you. The God version of you, but who knows that version is a better version than the pre-Jesus version. Anyone? So that, that's awesome. So the door of Jesus, super important. Jesus called himself the door, literally. John 10, 9, I am the door. He didn't say, I am a door. He said, I am the door. If anyone, I love that, anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so it's, it's a very clear, simple, I love the gospel in the sense that it's not complex. 
doesn't make it easy, but it's not complex. And Jesus said, listen, if you believe in me and walk through that door. But once the interesting thing is that once you walk through the door of Jesus, it's not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. It's when it all begins. So, and it's not just about believing. Many believers get stuck at believing. But we need to move beyond believing into the next thing in Jesus' door is belonging. Like I said before, it's not about just being isolated. It's about being, becoming part of something. So going from believing to belonging. But it's not just about belonging. It's about becoming. Some Christians get stuck in belonging and, and they put all their identity in their connection with the church. But it's more than that. God wants you to become. He has a plan for you. And the word in the New Testament is transformation. And I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Uh, if we can find that one, and it's there somewhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I can just feel it. Can you feel it coming? It's going to be good. Ephesians 1 is a great scripture. <laughs> I love that scripture. If we just go back to scriptures, that would be great. Maybe one. Don't worry, I know it off by heart. It says this, 2 Corinthians 3, and there's a, <laughs> there's a gap there. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16, it says, it, Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. See, all God needs you to do is turn to him today. And the block, the veil, the thing that stops you seeing God is removed. And then it says, basically, we behold Christ and we are transformed, watch this, from glory to glory. God has a place, a change in us that we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. What does that mean? God is restoring his original picture and intention of your life. Oh, I love that. So once you walk through the door of Jesus, it doesn't end at believing. He then goes on the journey of transforming your life and you becoming the God version of you, which is awesome. You were once angry, now you're less angry. I won't say not angry. That's ridiculous. Uh, you were once maybe, maybe a depressed person, but God puts faith and hope and joy and peace in your heart. God has that for your life, which is awesome. So God is good. Everybody say the door of Jesus. Okay, door number two. We could spend all day on that, of course. Door number two is the door of new thinking. Say new thinking. Well, wait a minute. New thinking. That's crazy. God, do you realize that our transformation partly... Romans 12, 2, do not be transformed, sorry, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Watch this, by the renewing of your mind. God has new thinking. Maybe, I believe that breakthrough, the new version of you, your future, your life under construction, do you realize that one new thought can change your world? Even yesterday, as we're talking to parents, my hope in those conversations is that one thought one new view, one new God view. Isaiah 55, it's not on the notes. Uh, my ways are above your ways. Watch this. My thoughts are above your thoughts. And, and I, I liken it to like before coming to Jesus, it's like we're under, under the, the auspices. Sorry. <laughs> we're under the, under, under the cloud of the world's thinking. But when you come into God and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, your eyes get lifted up. And suddenly you're into God's thoughts and God's ways. And God has thinking. He may be one thought about your business, one thought about your marriage, one God perspective on something. One thought, not a thousand thoughts. One can change your mind. 
and change your life. You know, Peter the Apostle in Acts chapter 10 was praying one day. Here's the thing. Prayer exposes you to God's thinking. Prayer exposes you. He was praying one day and the Lord showed him a vision and revealed, what's this, new thinking to him. He said, Peter, I'm paraphrasing here, Peter, the Jews once excluded anybody that wasn't Jewish. I want you to include them. I want, they're now part of the kingdom. To, to a young Jewish boy, that was radical thinking. But he, Jesus confirmed that to him. And a, a day later or so, he was in amongst, amongst a bunch of people that weren't Jewish, and they all came to Jesus and all got filled with the Holy Spirit. That day began the revival, a, a universal, global, world revival, that day. What was the difference? One new thought. God showed him one new thing. Do you realize um, some of you may have heard of a company uh, called Blockbuster that used to be at the top of its game. Graham, I'm sure you've studied this. And they were, um, the, you know, they were the video. Who remembers videos and DVDs? Who remembers cassettes? <laughs> Corey, you do. I know you do. Only just, though. And, and they were, Blockbuster they had over 2,000 stores in America. And you went, you got your, rented your videos, bought your videos from Blockbuster. That's where you went. A young, emerging, new thinking company called Netflix started coming up through the ranks and they approached Blockbuster and said, we want to buy you out. And Blockbuster just laughed them out of the office and said, why would we want you to buy us? By the way, we've got the hold on the market. And Netflix said, trust me, the world is changing. Everything's going streaming. And, and they went, what's streaming? What, who cares? We're, we're the biggest, we're the best. Do you realize that Blockbuster now, uh, 18 months ago, closed their very last store and Netflix, Netflix are now worth, I think, maybe 10 times what Blockbuster was in its heyday. Because uh, th here's the deal, thinking, and that's just on a corporate marketing level, and I'm not just talking about those things, but it represents a thought, is that maybe your future is in a new thought. It was in a new way of doing life. Have you ever thought about a new thing? And oh, we get, as we get older, we get so stuck in what we used to do, what we used to think. And God, who knows that God has a new future for you in maybe one new thought. So, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. He is awesome. All right. I love talking about that. Number three, door number three, the door of expansion. The door of expansion. God has bigger places for you. He wants to... I like using these grapes. These are good. If this grape represents my current dimension, do you realize you have a current spiritual authority? It's got a size. It's got a, you can measure it. God wants to enlarge us to a bigger place. And I don't just mean spiritually. In many ways, maybe financially, maybe in your capacity emotionally, God wants to expand your life so that you become literally a bigger person. But he doesn't do it while you're asleep. I wish he did. Do a Lord expand me in my sleep prayer and wake up in the morning and go, wow, I feel more faith on me right now. It's like, no, no, he uses challenge to expand you. Oh, God. I mean, and opportunities come our way. We're... And so we're only as big as the size of the territory we are inhabiting. And so God puts scary opportunities in front of us, things to expand us, to grow us. Years ago, uh, in the first nine years of our marriage, Bernie and I, 
We married 40 years. Actually, this December, we married 40 years. Crazy. That deserves a hand. Sorry. Bernie deserves a hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Graham, for pointing that out. That's, appreciate that. First, ni- first nine years of our marriage, we, we moved eight times. Eight rented houses. I'm like, I hate this. We'd, we'd rent a house. As we, t- we take a lot of pride in the houses we, we used to rent. And we'd clean them up, fix them up. And then the owners would go, wow, this looks good. I think we should sell it. You know, I'm like, this formula is not working here. So we got a little frustrated. Who knows that frustration is probably one of your greatest friends for expansion. So, well, I'm frustrated. So I got up one Saturday morning. I said to Bernie, today we're buying a house. She said, I love it when you talk tough. (laughs) I'm pretty sure she said that. (laughs) And the problem is we had no money. This is a minor challenge. But I tell you, God does stuff. And I'm not telling you to follow my story. All I'm telling you is our story. And God did something. And so Bernie got excited, grabbed the local paper, found a house ad, house for sale, 50 meters from beach. Who knows, that's the will of God right there. So we went and checked it out, fell in love with it immediately. And I said to the real estate agent, I'll take it. (laughs) And then I said to him, what do I do now? You need a healthy measure of naivety. It's great for you. Because as you, as you, when you, don't, well, you don't know what you don't know. But I soon found out what I didn't know. So he said, you, I need $1,000 just to show me you're serious. I'm like, no worries. There was this before the days of mobile phones. I snuck off to the phone booth and called my mum. <laughs> I said, mum, I need $1,000. She said, what for? I said, I want to buy a house. She said, no worries. So she's because the moment you start to step into bigger territory, people conspire to help you, especially with something positive. And then I said to the real estate agent, "What do I do now?" I said, "You go to the bank and borrow the money." I'm like, "Okay, no problem. I knew that, you know." So I went after I don't know how many banks I went to, eight banks, nine banks, ten banks. They all just laughed. I was a young pastor. They just laughed me out of the door. I spoke to a friend. He gave me a few tips on how to present things and how to dress and what have you. I went to this bank and they finally said, "Yeah, we'll lend you the money." They said, you just need $27,000 in your account by Thursday. I said, no problem. I'll just transfer it from one of my other accounts. True story. That's what I said. I'm like, what am I saying? This is insane. Called Bernie. Do you want the good news or the bad news? I said, it's like they lend us the money. I said, we need $27,000 by Thursday. She said, what's going to happen? I said, we'll have $27,000 by Thursday. Anyway, miracles don't come. As it says, the working of miracles. We, we worked a miracle. And, and, and things happened. And miracles happened on the way. A friend called me and said, I heard you're buying a house. I'm like, I don't know how you found out because I didn't tell anyone. And he said, here's $7,000. You know? And so we had $27,000 by Thursday. And we bought that house, our very first house. Everybody say expansion. So we, we went from being homeowner, home renters to homeowners. A di- it's a different beast. I was a different person. I was a homeowner. And I remember driving to pick up the key at the real estate agent, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Mark, the faith that I grew in you for the house was not for the house. It's for the future. 18 months later, God called us to plant a church in New York. But do you realize that that level of expansion of faith to become that 
was, was part of the preparation for then going, moving overseas to go and plant a church. That, ne- that next door, that next challenge, that next little expansion that God has, we walk through it because that's going to lead to the next door of expansion, the next door of expansion. Who wants to expand in God? Anyone? And God, okay, door, no- door number, I've got to keep moving. Door number four. Four, sound like a New Yorker then. Door number four, a door of calling. A door of calling. I want everybody say this after me. I, come on, with some conviction, I am called. So it's not just me, not just Pastor Dan, Hannah, Bernie, Graham, Wendy. No, you. You? Who? Well, yeah, you. You in your seat, that wonderful person, you have a calling from God. It's not the priest's. And the rest? No, it's God has called every individual. You have a calling. It may not be to preach. In fact, it probably isn't. If it is, then great. But your calling, God wants you to know you're called. And there's a door of calling that God puts in front, not of just the select few, but everyone. God wants to move the church from being people who attend church to people who are engaged in the calling that God has. Imagine 100% engagement of every believer in every church. We, we would have worldwide revival. We're asking God to send out of heaven something that's already in the pews in our churches already. In this church is the seed of a great future to reach this community. Anybody believe that? <laughs> Say it again. I am called. Woo! But the door doesn't often look like that. And the door, the, the door of calling, the first door of calling is not a big door. It's a little door. Because some people go, I'm coming to church. I'm going to get a prophecy. It's going to be amazing prophecy about the future. It's going to have the word nations in it. <laughs> I see nations. God doesn't work that way, often. That'll happen occasionally. But usually it's like, I see neighborhoods. <laughs> well, I see streets. God calls us. I mean, some of the stories, some of the doors are developmental doors and some are destiny doors. So some of the doors of calling aren't forever. They're just for a season. Others are destiny doors. They are like permanent things in your life. But some of the developmental, in the early days when we were in church, Pastor Phil asked Bernie and I to become the head of the drama group. I knew straight away this was not a destiny door. This was not some long-term future at all. I'm like, I just did it out of pure obedience. Like, what? Me? Okay. So we put together a drama group. We practiced Christians. Remember, we're talking 40 years ago. Practice Christian skits, little plays, things. Like, it was the worst ever. <laughs> then one day, Pastor Phil came up to me and said, Mark, we've got an outreach at Bill Gola Surf Club. Friday night, and we want you to do your first Christian skit at it. I'm like, no, 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 not Bulgola. That's where we started Bulgola Board Riders. And all my surfing mates are going to be there. Sure enough, we rocked up there. Empty hall except the back row with all my old surfing mates with their hands folded. I'm like, you're killing me here. This is horrible. So the skit was something like this. There was Jesus at the front, the guy pretending to be Jesus. It wasn't Jesus himself. And I walked up the aisle with a sack. On my, and as I was walking up the aisle, past all my mates, I'm like, my burden, my burden. 
<laughs> my burden. And Jesus goes, give me your burden of sin. And I place the sack at his feet. And then I dance around. I'm free. I'm free. The worst Christian skit in human history. No one got saved. No surprise there. This was definitely a developmental door. Apparently, Pastor Phil turned to Pastor Chris during my... I would call it probably more of an episode than anything. I think there might be a preacher in there. For that reason only, it was worth doing that. But other things are destiny doors. Like... We started at one of the first, you know, one of the first connect groups in, our, in the life of our church. The, one of the first three. And immediately it became a thing that we love. We love people and our home got filled quickly. And it, we multiplied that one connect group, I think, 15 times over the next five years. And we raised leaders. And do you realize that the things we learned then, we are now applying at a global level right now as the movement is expanding. We now have nearly 600 churches and 13 regions, 59 countries. And right now across the world, 120,000 C3 people meeting together to worship God. We learned everything from running a connect group. But if we, we didn't wait for the door that's now 40 years later to come on, walk through the big global door, you know. No, no, it was a little connect group. Six people. <laughs> all, all older than us all had Bible college degrees freaked us out with this little couple didn't know a thing all we need to do is love people pray for them and see them at church on Sunday that's all we did but that was, God places is, oh I don't do that the pastor says no no walk through these doors have calling because it will grow you it will grow the church and it will reach the city for Jesus amen so much. that's awesome alright two minutes the last door is my least favorite, the door of trial. The door of trial. God places, I hate this point, but it's true. Many, many scriptures, I won't go to all of them. James 1, if you can find that, guys, verse 2 says this, Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Count it all joy. Everybody say count. It doesn't say it is all joy. Count it all joy. Well, one verse says, consider it joy. When you meet trials of various kinds, the thing you learn about trials is they, they never announce their arrival until they arrive. You don't say, oh, here it comes. Here comes that trial. Oh, I've seen you before. No, it comes in another form, another shape, another way, another time. Hit you from the side. None of us are prepared for trials other than the fact that we've walked through the previous one. But tell you, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trial produces growth and strength in you like nothing else. And Jesus entered, he left the waters of baptism filled with the Spirit. Many Christians think being filled with the Spirit is the key. It's not. It's one of the most important keys. But it says he entered the wilderness filled with the spirit but left the wilderness empowered by the spirit and the only difference was the trial the trial the spirit fills you but the trial empowers you and we need to be filled with the spirit before we go into the trial <laughs> so that we walk through it with spirit and power and the glory of god upon our lives god wants to empower you, you know we've had a really tough many of you know 18 months 20 months 
uh, our beautiful youngest daughter, who's got three girls of her own, was diagnosed with colorectal cancer 19 months ago. And that day when she was diagnosed, probably one of the worst days and worst two days of my life as a dad, my youngest daughter, just the news, the shock, it shouldn't happen. That's not right for someone that young to have that level of of cancer and sickness and I knew what I just the, the future and they look bleak and dark but I'm telling you what a trial does as painful and horrible as it is it drives you to a place in God that nothing else can I pray every day and I read the scriptures every day but I'm telling you I prayed different every day maybe not more but different and I, the scriptures came alive Psalm 30, 130, sorry, there's another one. Psalm 103 has come alive to me at a great level. Psalm 103 is mine. It's not yours. I own that scripture. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You know, I was diagnosed with cancer myself late last year and to add punch to Paul and that freaked me out. So I hit another thing. So the scripture, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all, all is within me. I got a revelation that all the cancer is within me. That has to bless the name of the Lord. That has to bow to the name of Jesus. And we, you know, we, we got medical advice and help and surgeries and all that sort of stuff. And I'm telling you, at the bottom of it all, and at the end of the day, it's God that heals us and strengthens us. But it's, but, but it's, and I know Wendy has walked through that. And, and, and we've got, there are consequences to sickness and I've got symptoms and things I don't like and I'm getting older and who hates that anyway? <laughs> but I'm alive <laughs> and my faith has grown and my compassion has grown. I cannot tell you how many times in the morning reading that scripture, Psalm 103, and getting revelation and richness. Do you realize that the, the scripture in the Old Testament that says that there are treasures, watch this, hidden in darkness. Some of your greatest treasures are not in the light, they're in the dark. And as you walk through the dark with the light of Jesus on the inside of you, you'll pick up treasures. And guess what? The treasures aren't just for you. The treasures are for others. The treasures, you, you've got faith to give others. You've got hope to give others. You've got love to give others. You've got stuff to give others. And you don't pick them up as a, on a cruisy walk across the beach. Oh, look, there's stuff everywhere here. It's awesome. No, they're good times. Enjoy those good times. And most of life is good times. But there's many seasons of challenge. And as you walk through the door of trial, then God is going to, on the other end of that, you're going to be stronger, healthier, better, more gracious, more compassionate, more filled with the glory of God than ever before in God. Amen.